Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Hope Church. Uh, if this is your first time here worshiping at Hope Church or first time worshiping online, um, welcome. I'm really glad that you're here. My name is Greg Brady, and I'm the, the pastor here at Hope Church, and invite you to take out the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to turn to chapter 12 and read from there. I hope you brought your Bible or an online version of it. Uh, if you don't have one, by the way, come see me after the worship service, and we'd love to give you a Bible. Let's start reading in verse 13, Luke chapter 12. And by the way, this is a little longer scripture, so... Um, Enjoy. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother, divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you. And then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, well, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And then I'll be able to say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it would be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin And I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothed the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, well, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all these things, and your father knows what you need. He knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. So sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Father God, we pray as we turn to your word, as we have heard this, that 
you will help our eyes uh, see things that we alone cannot see, uh, that our heart will know things that alone our heart cannot know. We need your Holy Spirit to reveal your, your word to us. We pray that we would have eyes to see, ears to listen, a heart to um, take in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we've been looking at God's mission, and uh, we want to make God's mission our mission. We want to pursue uh, God's mission. And over the past several weeks, we've talked about God's, God's purposes, what God wants his church to do. Um, and today, we're looking at, at wealth, because what you believe about wealth is such an important factor in being able to, to really follow God's mission. So a uh, few questions to start us off, just to get us thinking, and you can answer out loud um, if you would like. Uh, first question is, what do people connect with wealth? Like when, when you think of wealth, or you can even speak for other people, you know, what, what do people think of when they think of wealth? What are a few things? Uh, being a homeowner, okay? So being able to get a home for you, a space to live, absolutely. What are some of the other things? Having lots of money. Yeah, yeah. When we think of wealth, we think of large amounts, not you know, just small little, small little bits. Status. We connect wealth with status, and they're, they're directly proportional, right, in, in many people's eyes. What else comes to mind? Power, possessions, right, these are good things, or good, good uh, I, think, I think you're right, you're reading people correctly. Um, next question, what do you think God thinks about wealth? Does he think similarly? We might not be as quick to answer for God on this one. But what do we think God thinks? Do we think that God thinks wealth is good or wealth is bad? Good? Good? Uh-huh. As a tool, if we see wealth differently, maybe as a tool, then it, it can be, become good, right? It can be used for good. Anything else? Do you think God wants us to be wealthy? Maybe yes, maybe no. Does it matter? All right. So let's, let me, let me, I want to I look at three things the scripture says. Two things it says about wealth um, that run contrary to what people often think. We'll get to that point in a second. And then a, another way to look at wealth that I, I hope we can, we can take in and, and learn from and, and get to. So three things uh, that the scripture says about wealth. I have some, some key verses on this little outline sheet. You might listen for those verses and do some fill-ins. Um, but let's, let's start with point one. Um, one, this passage says, examine your heart for greed. Uh, Luke tells a story of, of Jesus uh, 
addressing a crowd, and, and as he's addressing a crowd, a man in the crowd um, asked Jesus to help out with a family issue. And, and the man wants a fair division of the family inheritance. And, and at first, it seems like a pretty reasonable request, right? He's not even demanding like more than half. He doesn't even give an amount. He just says divide. He doesn't say split it down the middle with me. Just, just have my brother share it. Divide it. It seems a pretty reasonable request. Um, and perhaps he knows that if the inheritance isn't divided, it's going to tear him apart. And, and he, he, he doesn't want to be at odds with his, his brother, his family. There, there seems to be a legitimate quality about this request. But Jesus, what does he say? He says, I'm not going to get into your business. I mean, who, who appointed me a judge over, over your inheritance? And then Jesus says, on top of that, he says in verse 15, be on your guard against what? All kinds of greed. See, somehow Jesus knew this man was, was greedy. And, and at first it doesn't seem too greedy for us that we'd want some kind of split in the inheritance. It says there, there are all kinds of greed. Greed comes with different looks. And this is what makes greed, I think, extra dangerous um, because, you know, when you think of a greedy person, you might think of, oh, a greedy person is the person that says, I want it all, right? I want it all, and I want it now. And um, just this, this I, you know, I want to take in as much as I can and take from others, and I want to rule the world. Well, I, I guess that would be greedy, but no one identifies with that person, right? No one says, ah, oh, that's, that's me. Jesus says there's different forms of greed. Uh, there is that, that type of greed, but there's also the, 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 the type of greed that says, you know, I, I see others and what they're enjoying in life, and it doesn't seem like I'm enjoying the same things, and I want that. And their heart becomes attached to that. There's that kind of greed. Uh, could it be that there's this greed that says, I just want what is right and fair, like the man coming to Jesus. I just want what is fair. I want what is mine. There seems to be some demanding quality in, in this man's request to Jesus. His, his, his heart just wants what is his. Give me what is rightfully mine. Jesus says, watch out for all kinds of greed. And he tells this parable, a man has a great harvest. And that happens sometimes. Sometimes you, you, you get really fortunate. You have a great harvest. Luck, fortune. And uh, the man says, well, what will I do with, with this new fortune of mine? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to do something very prudent. I, I know what I can do so that I can retire early. I'll just tear down my small barns, build up big barns, and I'll store all this stuff so I can have it later. And in one way, that doesn't seem too unreasonable. It's kind of like the American dream, right? Hey, I, I was fortunate. I'm going to save it for the future and be able to retire early. You know, this man didn't acquire his wealth through, uh, through unethical practices. He didn't acquire all this wealth through cutthroat tactics or by, you know, paying his employees just pennies while he rakes in all of the profits. He's not Ebenezer Scrooge. But there's something wrong with this man's heart as well. What did you notice about that parable that Jesus told of, of that man? Well, may, maybe what you noticed was this, 
this language, this self-interested language that he uses. Notice how the parable begins in verse 16. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. It wasn't this man's skill that helped him gain this abundant harvest. It wasn't his ingenuity. It wasn't um, his work ethic or his intellect. Just the ground yielded this great harvest. It just happened. But then comes this string of eyes. What shall I do? Oh, this is what I'll do. I'll tell myself, let's build some bigger barns so I can get, uh, save all of my surplus grain. And then I'll say to myself, take it easy. Retire early. There's something about greed that identifies everything is mine or it should be mine. And Jesus says, when that's your attitude, you're a fool. Because there's only one who can truly say that is mine. Who is is the one who can truly, honestly say that is mine? And that's God. And it's clear in how Jesus tells the parable. It's it's clear that God is the rightful one to say mine. Look at verse 20. Uh, Jesus says, This very night, about the man in the parable, your life will be demanded from you. And that word uh, demanded is from the word meaning to demand back, to demand what is rightfully mine. God is saying, I want my life back. It's mine. God says, no, it's, it's not your life, it's my life. I'm the rightful owner, and I'm demanding it back this very night. The man in the parable has no say in that whatsoever. Not only can it happen at any time, but when it does happen, you will not be bringing your stuff with you. That's what the rich man in the parable would soon realize. Therefore, it's foolish to be greedy like that with your money, just saving up more and more and more and more for yourself, putting your hope in it, in the accumulation of your wealth, to give you a good life. So Jesus says, watch out for all kinds of greed. That's the problem. But then I want you to look at the solution that Jesus offers. Point two, urge your heart not to worry. What is Jesus' approach to dealing with greed? Uh, What I find interesting is Jesus doesn't say, here's the problem, greed, here's the solution, don't be greedy. Isn't that interesting? And I I think because we know that that just doesn't work like that. It's hard to not be greedy by just telling yourself, don't be greedy, don't be greedy, don't be greedy. It could be the more you tell yourself, don't be greedy, don't be greedy, maybe the more greedy you, you, you get. Jesus takes a different approach. Look at verse 22. What does Jesus say? He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Don't worry. Um, and another reason why Jesus might not deal with the issue of greed by saying, don't be greedy, is um, greed generally is one of those things that is very hard to recognize in your own life. I don't know if you've, um, I'm sure you have, you know, been around a group of friends, maybe at a, a, 
maybe around a Starbucks table, just drinking coffee together. Or your living room table. Living room table? Your kitchen table. Living room couch. Um, or maybe in a church small group or something like that where people will you know, confess some sins. Um, and, and we do that because we want to share a life with one another, right? We want to share our struggles with one another. So sometimes we'll, we'll kind of confess to one another. And often people will confess... Um, often people will confess things like, you know, I got into a fight. I got into a fight with my spouse, or I got into a fight with my, with my kids. I, I lost my temper. Um, or you may be in that church small group, and people are saying, you know, I just haven't been reading the Bible like I should be, or, or praying, you know, those kind of confessions. Very, very rarely does someone say, you know what I've been struggling with? Greed. It's just not something that we recognize in our lives. Greed is a subtle sin. So maybe one reason Jesus doesn't say, don't be greedy, is because his listeners would be saying, hey, I'm not greedy. We might say the same thing as well. But worry, that is something that we do know, right? And Jesus knows that greed grows in the soil of worry. Why is that? Why does greed grow where there is worry? The word worry, you know where it comes from? Uh, It comes from the old Dutch word, or or German, or really close, I guess, worgen. Have you heard that word before? You old Europeans. Um, And and the word worgen means to choke. And that's what worry does. It, it just it seems to choke you, like it's choking the life out of you. Or, 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 or the world seems to be collapsing in on you when, when, you, when you get really worried. Um, worry strangles us. Worry turns troubles and difficulties into suffocations. And, and when that happens, we start looking for a rescue. And that rescue that we're looking for often leads to greed. So, for example, a person can worry, you know, am I doing well with my life? You know, I see people who are successful and they're just knocking out of the park and I just seem to be floundering a little bit. And, and, and that, that can start choking you a little bit. You know, what, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? Am I living up to what I could be doing? And that person can get greedy and say, you know what, I'm going to prove. I'm going to prove to myself. I'm going to prove to others. I'm going to prove this world that I got what it takes. That I got what it takes. And I'm just going to start knocking it out of the park and prove to myself my sense of worth by gaining worth. Gaining income. That's one kind of greed. Another person can, can worry about being deprived, you know, seeing everyone enjoying these different things in life. And, you know, I, and I don't have those things, but I want those things. Maybe I'm just being deprived in life, and that worry can turn into greed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get those things. I'm going to enjoy those things. Maybe a person can worry, what if I get to the time when I've gone through all my money? You know, things are all right right now. I'm kind of making it, but... You know, what if just there's this collapse? You know, everything breaks all at once, and I have to replace everything, and I don't have enough money. What, what's going to happen then? And you can get this heart longing for more wealth and savings and 
I want it. I want it to take care of all of my problems. Worry attaches your heart to money where you say, I need that. And in one way, these are legitimate issues, right? There are times when everything breaks and you need to replace it. I mean, that, that does happen. Um, or things like that happen. I mean, it's kind of a legitimate issue. And, 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 and you know, does God want us to be wealthy? Yes, no. Well, I do know one thing. God wants us to have life and an abundant life. And I know that because Jesus says that I have come that they may have life and have it in the full. Have it abundantly, John chapter 10, verse 10. You know, our, our, our wanting this abundant life, there's, there, there's something, it's, it, there's a legitimate part to that. Um, but Jesus says, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. In your desire to get this abundant, this full life, because we know that full life doesn't necessarily mean a full bank account. We, we know that. But Jesus says, as you pursue this this full life that I want to give you, you don't have to worry. And in verse 30, Jesus says, now the pagan world runs after such things, worries, worrying about the food for your belly and the clothes for your, your body. But your father knows that you need them. Isn't that a wonderful promise from Jesus? You don't have to worry because God knows what you need. God knows what you need without you even asking for it. Well, that's good. And then Jesus gives even this, I think, even a, a better promise, or I don't know, a better promise, but it's just a, just a wonderful promise. Uh, and that's that God give, gives good gifts. He knows what you need, and he gives good gifts. He's generous. He is generous. God is generous to the relatively unimportant things. And then Jesus says, think about the birds. The birds... They have no storerooms. They have no barns. They might live in a barn, but they don't put all their stuff in this big old barn. Birds are living day to day for their existence, their life. And Jesus says, and God provides for the birds, and you're much more important than a bird. Or, or consider the flowers, Jesus says. I mean, they're beautiful. And I, I thought about this. I mean, flowers are pretty here, right? I mean, springtime, Texas, it doesn't get any better than springtime in Texas. The flowers are beautiful. They're beautiful here. Think about the drier Middle East where everything is, uh, you know, one more shade of brown. How beautiful the flowers would look as Jesus is calling his disciples' attention to the flowers. Wow, they're beautiful. And, and Jesus says, God does that for flowers, and they're just flowers. They're here today. They're gone tomorrow. And you are worth so much more than flowers. So do you think God wants you to have a dull, drab, deflated experience of life? No, 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 no. The birds and the flowers tell us otherwise. God will take care of you even more generously. So watch out for greed. Do not worry, Jesus says. Guard your heart from those things. And then Jesus gives us one one more thing to really put our minds around. Um, Remind your heart to be generous. Because Jesus keeps talking. When he says, do not worry, keeps talking. Um, And there's this positive, active step that Jesus wants us to take. I want to look at verse 32. I think verse 32 
Luke 12, 32 is just one of the, just one of the greatest verses in the Bible. It's amazing. Jesus says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. I'm going to look at two things in this, this verse. Um, the first is with that word little. Do you think little, Jesus uses little there to emphasize their size? Little flock, that, you know, you small little flock, you little puny flock. Is that how Jesus is using the word little? I don't think so. Or is it rather about the tenderness of the shepherd's love? So my phone is getting really smart these days because every day I turn on my phone, every time I turn on my phone, there's a new picture of one of my kids from like six or seven years ago. It just pops up on my phone. So my phone is really smart in knowing how to get me to get all teary-eyed, you know, because I look at these pictures of when, you know, Kate's sitting here when she was, you know, seven. And she's precious now, but, you know, seven. Wow, look at Kate when she was seven, you know. So little, but it's not the size, the little that makes it so cute. It's, it's me looking at my children when, when they were a little more vulnerable, right? When they're a little more dependent on me. And I'm just like, oh, those days when, when I was just there to give them anything they needed and take care of them. That's what I remember. And I'm wondering if that's the sense of little that Jesus is, is getting at. He's pointing to how God sees us, not as puny, but as this little precious flock of his that he would do anything for to take care of and to nurture. And the second thing from this verse is notice um, notice the, the tense of the verb uh, that God, that father, your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Not your father will be pleased to give you the kingdom. It is clear, past tense. He was pleased to give you the kingdom. He has given you the kingdom. Not he will be pleased to give you the kingdom when you take your final last breath on this earth and he'll take you off to the heavenly kingdom. No, he has already given you the kingdom. It's yours. It's yours. The Father giving us the kingdom means that he reigns as king over us. means that everything that comes your way in life is completely under the sovereign reign of God for your blessing. That's living in the kingdom right now. And it certainly also means that, you know, when we do breathe our last breath, oh, we have, we, we experience the full fruit, the full fruit and abundance of the kingdom, which is absolutely guaranteed to you. But it, it's right now, living in the kingdom. So Jesus says, little flock, you know, little ones to him belong. He, you are weak, he is strong, and the strong one is pleased to give you the kingdom. So it seems like Jesus is connecting the dots in this, in this scripture that we've read. He connects the dots, and this is what he's saying. Um, if you've already been given the kingdom... And if one day all the wealth of the kingdom will be yours to enjoy, and this is what Jesus gets to next. Why be greedy now? Well, we talked about that. 
And why not be generous now? And here's this positive, active step we can take in light of this. Be generous now. You see, greed shrinks your life. If all you are doing is looking at the bottom line, you are restricted in what you'll do for others. Your life will be about yourself. But because you've already been given the kingdom of God, Jesus says you can have a different bottom line. And that bottom line is you can be generous with your life and your possessions and you can store up for yourself a different kind of treasure, a treasure that will never go away. It will never fail you. I mean, have you ever had a treasure in this life kind of fail you? Maybe you, you're so excited to make this purchase or whatever it is or go on this vacation and then you go on it and it's like, wow, that was okay, but it wasn't nearly what I thought it was going to be. Or, or this thing, whatever I got that I bought, this car, or whatever, wow, it was all right, but man, it broke down, you know? This new bottom line that Jesus gives to us is you can, you can store up a treasure that will never fail you. Verse 33, Jesus says, Provide purses for yourselves that will never wear out a treasure in heaven that will never fail. So how how do you have a treasure in heaven? Well, for one thing, I think that means that we can be generous now and we can invest in relationships, friendships now that will last for all eternity. Those will never go away. They will last for eternity. And I think that having a treasure in heaven now or storing up this treasure in heaven now means um, we become attentive to the people that we want to become. I mean, I, I want to be generous. I want to, I want to, um, I, I want to serve others. I, I don't want to be selfish. I, I want to be someone that looks for the needs of others and tries to meet those needs. And when I become that person, you know what? And if you become that person, you know what? You probably love heaven because heaven is not the place that we get to and, and finally we'll be able to say, Ah, I finally get to live for myself. (laughs) Finally, I get to be selfish. That will not be heaven. Heaven will be a place where we're continually serving others and being generous. And and, and we won't be selfish. So in living that way now, we are growing into the people who absolutely will love heaven. Jesus is trying to get us to look at wealth in a different way than what we're used to looking at it. And, and here's three statements I thought of. We'll finish with these three statements. Um, greed. Jesus says, watch out for all kinds of greed. Greed says you are not wealthy. Greed says you don't have enough and you need to get busy getting enough. And the more you get, you need to keep it to yourself because you'll never have enough. Um, we were at small group last Wednesday talking about this passage. James Rose mentioned the quote from um, J.D. Rockefeller. Remember the, the, the man who at one time, his net worth was 1% of the, the entire U.S. economy. Um, and someone asked him, uh, Mr. Rockefeller, how much money is enough money? And his response was, just a little bit more. That's what greed says. You just need a little bit more because you're not wealthy. Worry, here's the second point. Worry says you need to be wealthy. 
Here's why worry feeds into greed. Worry says, look at all these bills. They're piling up. How are you going to pay for all those? Look at, look at, look at retirement. You want to get there. How are you going to get there unless you're saving up more? Looks at worst case scenarios. What if everything breaks all at once? Both cars, they're shot. Everything's gone. You need to replace it all at once. How are you going to do that? You need more. You need to be wealthy. And this is why, for so many people, the, the financial bottom line is what life is all about. But there's another way to look at things, and it's this. Generosity says you are already wealthy. You have God's kingdom. And with a king and a heavenly father who is pleased to give the kingdom to you, you are wealthy. And this king knows what you need. And he's so inclined to give good gifts. And so Jesus says, so sell your possessions. You can do that. Sell. That's okay. It's okay. You can do that. You can give to the poor. It's okay. You can do that. He's, he's, he's not given this rigid command, you must do this now. You must sell everything and give to the poor. It's this invitation. Be generous. You can do it because you are wealthy. You have everything you need. It's this urging. I like this statement from Richard Foster. It says, for the Christian, the bottom line can never be the bottom line. Because Jesus gives us a new bottom line. It's not beefing up the bank account. This new bottom line is be generous. Be generous. Think of ways you can invest in a treasure in heaven. Um, now, from here, you know, what do we do with this? Well, I think, I, I think it takes some creative planning, some thought. How, you know, maybe, it, maybe there's a discussion to have afterwards, over lunch or sometime today with your family, your spouse. How, how, can, we, how can we take some of what we have and be more generous with it? Or um, maybe it means thinking, just, just a reallocation. Maybe there's something that, it's not make you know what's the you know, there's some philosophy out there what brings you joy uh, I'm really kind of going off the deep end here because I really don't know what I'm talking about but I've heard that said if it doesn't bring you joy get it out of your house you know maybe there's a reevaluation of of the budget where it's like you know this subscription is it bringing me joy if not I don't I don't need it but you know what will give me joy being generous and helping others who are in need uh, around me. Maybe just a kind of a reallocation or, or students. Um, got some junior hires over here. Do you, all, do you all have jobs? No, you don't have jobs, right? Maybe you have a job. Um, maybe an allowance. Oh, do you give allowance these days? So you're just penniless, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, what I would suggest is start getting in the mindset of, my stuff is not my stuff. I want it to be my stuff, but it's not my stuff. Is there a way that I can use what I do have? Maybe, maybe re- that's, you know, we have that offering time um, as a way for us to remind ourselves, my money is not my money. It's, it's God's money, and I want to I give back to God what is his. So just, just a reevaluation of my stuff, or can I be generous with my stuff? Do I have too much stuff? Can I give away some of my stuff? just as a way to practice generosity and build this mindset of I'm, I'm not depriving myself 
when I'm generous, I'm actually enriching myself because I'm working towards this treasure that will never go away, this treasure in heaven. What can you do to practice generosity? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you give us your kingdom, that um, you delight in taking care of us, your children, that uh, you are always with us. There's, there's not a moment in life when we are all by ourselves. There's not, a, there's not a difficult situation. There's not a crisis we go through where you're not right there. To remind us, I, I have your life. I've got you. I will take care of you. I know what you need. Lord, help us to look out for the needs of one another around us and be generous in meeting needs so that others can experience the the goodness of your kingdom and, and come to know you as their true king. Thank you for being um, the one who loves, loves us, our, 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 just our good father. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.